turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, because now it's not on the screen. So we'll all have to be there together. Mark chapter 4. So in Mark chapter 4, we have gone through Jesus' parable of the soils. And we saw where that, that is a paradigm parable. If you know, that's the one that sets you up for every, all the parables that are coming. And it's all of the soils are all about the human heart and our receptivity to the seed. And what is the seed? It's the word of God, right? And literally, in the beginning was the where it is the word. It is Jesus Christ Himself, His message, His kingdom gospel, that He is Messiah. The kingdom is here. Repent, believe, and follow Me. All right. This word, this word, this seed is powerful and it works. The only difference is what kind of soil does it fall on. So Jesus tells this paradigm parable to help us understand the soils. And don't miss it as he moves into these other parables. And, and the way I see it, they, they kind of lump a couple together. But I think there's one, two, three. There are actually four parables and then an explanation here. So today as we delve into the Gospel of Mark and explore this series of parables, as we engage this text We'll not only jump into the depth of these verses, but also, hopefully, we're going to discover how they intricately fit in the broader context of Mark's gospel. Don't ever lose the context, because this context is pretty interesting. And through these parables, Jesus gives us profound truths about the kingdom of God and encourages us to open our hearts to receive his teaching. Um, now, I had fully intended to cover this entire section from Mark 4, 21 through 34, um, and, and these parables this morning. However, I was reminded that there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. <laughs> and uh, we, we do have communion today, and uh, so I thought better of it. And so instead of giving you all five of the main headers today, we're just going to do two. And we're going to take it down through verse uh, 25. Um, if you'll join me there in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. And he said to them, now this is right after his explanation. This is when the disciples get with him privately and say, hey, what did all that mean? And he tells, he unlocks the parable of the soils. So this falls after that. And he said to them, and it appears that it's the disciples here possibly, um, just them, or, or the, them and the larger group of followers. He asked them the question, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And I like how the NET Bible says that. If anyone has ears to hear, you better listen. And that's a more forceful, and that's really the force of the grammar there in the Greek. If you've got ears to hear, you better listen up. All right, verse 24. And he said to them, Take heed what you hear. 
With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So coming right off the explanations of the four soils, Jesus jumps to, and this is your first fill-in today. You won't see it up there unless they type it in. The purpose principle. And this is verse 21 through 23. So in your outline, the purpose <clears throat> principle. The first thing I want to I share with you today, and this, this is just a, a grammar issue. <clears throat> in, the, in the Greek language, they use the definite article before lamp. So instead of a lamp, um, in the Greek, in the way Jesus said it, at least in Mark, uh, to the disciples and communicate, communicated it to them was, is the lamp. Not just a lamp, but what? Yeah. The lamp. Uh, so, so think about it definitely. Is the lamp brought to be put under a, a basket or under a bed? Now that's called a rhetorical question. The answer is in the question itself. And obviously that's going to be a no. But who is the lamp or the light? Yeah, Jesus said, it's himself, right? He's literally talking about himself. He is the lamp. He is the light that comes from God. He is the Messiah. Now, we bear that too. Later on, he would say to his disciples, uh, you are the light of the world. The city that is set on the hill can't be hid, right? So the whole idea is that light gets out. And the, and the purpose of light is to, is to illumine, right? And to reveal things. And you don't light a light and try to cover it. When he says the basket there, he's referring, that particular word is referring to about a two-gallon box or basket, if you will. He says you don't light the lamp and put it under that. No, the purpose of the light is to get out. And it's going to get out no matter what you do. Now this lamp, uh, I had a picture of it, and apparently it went away this morning. But it's, it's a little tiny clay pot. Almost looks like Aladdin's lamp, if you will, if you can picture that in your mind. And there's just a wick in the end of it that, that picks up the oil from the pot, and you light that. And, and, and he says, no, you don't put it under a bed or under a basket. But what does he say? Is it not to be set on a lamp stand? Now, the lamp stand is just exactly what you think it is. It's a stand, but behind it in that day was usually some piece of polished metal. And that polished metal would reflect the light and take that little flicker of a lamp and cause that light to be multiplied. He said, that's what you do with the light is you multiply it. Now, what has he just been talking about? What was the previous parable? The seeds, right? And he finished up the seeds with the seed that falls on the good ground and produces 30, 60, or 100 fold of an increase multiply right he's still on the multiplication side of things the seed is himself it's the word of god it's the gospel and and the gospel is going to get out he said i'm not i'm not giving you this seed for it to just lay on the ground and satan to come pick it up no you're good seed people and you're going to multiply this word and it's going out anybody glad that the gospel goes out today yeah. amen um his teaching here was obvious it was to reveal his identity. 
And he, that's what he's saying. He said, hey, I'm here, and, and I'm, my word about me is getting out. But he's talking in parables, right? Because some are going to get the parables and some aren't. Some were willingly blinded to who Jesus was. At this point in, in history, we're about two years into Jesus' ministry, coming come close to that date, the Pharisees have decided, we're going to kill him. And, and they, got, they got together with the politicians, the Herodians, and, and they're all working together. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? We're, gonna, we're getting rid of this revolutionary. And Jesus is saying here, look, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to tell you the truth. But some of you are willingly blind and you can't see it in these parables. Jot this down in your outline, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The Bible says this, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. That, that word there is almost a, a will not believe. Lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. All right? Verse 22 tells us, Look at that. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that it should come to light. What is he saying that light does? Here's the purpose of light. Light by nature reveals. And Jesus, even by his teaching, and, and, and very clearly as the light, and, and declaring the kingdom gospel, repent, believe, and follow me, Right, The light is getting out. What was it revealing? Well, it was revealing that there were four types of reception to that message. Parable of the soils. Those Pharisees and Sadducees and, and political leaders had hard hearts. And Satan, even though that seed was good and powerful, Satan was taking that seed. Some of them endured the message just to see the miracles. And that seed on rocky ground, there's no root to go down. They're, they're not people that are going to follow Jesus for long. Then there's the seed of the hearts of people who, who are just caught up with the affairs of the world. That's why Paul says to Timothy, a good soldier does not get involved in civilian affairs, right? And we're soldiers of King Jesus. We're citizens of the kingdom, and we must be soul. But these, these weeds will grow up, and they will choke out the life of Christ, the word of God in your life. This is what he's talking about here. And what does, what does this message of Jesus do? What does this seed that he is casting do? It's a light and it reveals the condition of the hearts of the hearers. How many of you know God's word reveals the condition of your heart today? What kind of soil is it revealing? Light reveals. Jesus says nothing hidden that's not going to be revealed. And oh, the word of God the lamp is the revealer of the secrets of the heart. Psalm 119, 130, jot that down. Psalm 119, 130 says this, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Aren't you glad that's true today? Now the simple here were the disciples and you and I by extension. And the unfolding was done to them initially by Jesus and to us by the Spirit of Jesus written that He has written in His Word and thereby they have and we have been granted the privilege of understanding the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And remember this, write this down somewhere. The kingdom is the rule and reign of King Jesus in your life. It is the rule and reign of God in, through, and over you. 
right? And, and we're the simple one, but all oh, the unfolding of this word. But remember, privilege always brings responsibility. We are responsible, like Jesus' first disciples, to let our little light shine for the glory of God. Remember the song we used to sing with the kids? This little light of mine, what? I'm going to let it shine, right? And, and, and right, hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. And that's what we need to do. Um, that's the responsibility that we have from the unfolding, from the revelation of God's Word. So that is the purpose principle. Here's the second and final one that we're going to look at today. And I want to unpack this for just a moment. And that is the proportion principle. The proportion principle. What is a proportion? We're going to look at that. Look at verse 24 and 25. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. By the way, that's where I got that saying, heeding is hearing. What is heeding? Obeying. That's what it means. Do what you hear. Heed what you hear. Heeding is hearing. If you're not heeding, if you're not doing it, you haven't heard it. You might have heard it with your ears, but it hasn't found good soil in your heart yet. Amen? We've got to learn how to listen to a good sermon. Listen to the word of God. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Apparently, Jesus was not a socialist <laughs> or a communist who said we should take from everybody and everyone's equally poor. Uh, it's kind of a reversal here. It seems a little unfair. The people that have are going to get more, and the people that have not aren't going to get, or even what they got is going to be taken away. Well, I'm going to explain that here in just a minute, so hang in there. In the following verses, Jesus reveals this principle of divine reciprocity. Divine reciprocity, God's measuring stick. He tells us that the measure we use in giving to others and investing in the kingdom, um, that that very measure that we use in giving will, will be used by other, uh, to measure what is given to us. The principle, this principle challenges us to be generous and clear in our interactions with other people, understanding that our actions have spiritual implications. The Lord promises that those who give freely and abundantly will receive the same measure and blessing from Him. So heed what you hear. Take heed. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, and hearing is heeding, obeying, more will be given. Right? The more you put into action of God's Word and obey it, What's God going to do? He's going to give you more. Right? Does that make sense this morning? Um, Hebrews, or excuse me, not Hebrews, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, jot this down. The Bible says this, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Reminds me of the story of the butcher and the baker. They came together and decided that instead of swapping money, they would just swap out a pound of flour for a pound of meat. But the, but the butcher got angry because he would take his flour back to his shop and weigh it, and it never came to a full pound. 
So finally he had enough and he, he went to the baker and said, how come every time I get my pound of flour from you, it's short? And the baker explained to him, he said, well, I use not a scale, but a balance. I always use your pound of meat on the one side of the balance and my flour on the other, right? So at the end of the day, the butcher was trying to cheat the baker, but he didn't want the same standard of measurement used against him. And don't we do that? We sure do. Verses 24 and 25 tell us that if we have a high capacity for knowing God, God's going to pour more knowledge of himself into us. And if we bring a big bucket, God will fill it up and then some. Amen? So how big is your bucket today? He says, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. Jot this reference down to go look at later. Isaiah 55, 7. Here's what that says. It says that God will not only pardon, but pardon, but abundantly pardon. How many of you are glad that God will abundantly pardon? Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to, to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God, God's ability to reveal to you and through you is exponential. God's not lacking anything. And the more you receive, hear, and obey, the more God's going to pour in. Um, write this down. Malachi 3.10 tells us that when we honor God with our giving, God gives us more, not so that we can hoard it to ourselves. Listen, God's just looking for vessels. He's, he's looking for good hoses through which to bless the kingdom. Amen? And tithing, that might be a starting place. John Piper says tithing is a, is a, is a, a, a modern day um, method of robbing God. It's just a starting place. We need to, we need to invest heavily in the kingdom. And, and 10% is just where we start. It's certainly not. What does he say? When you do that in Malachi, I'll open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. But here's the problem. If we have a distracted capacity for knowing, our knowledge will be diminished. That's what this text says. Works both ways, right? The end of Mark 4.25 is kind of ominous. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now this is talking about the truth of the message of the gospel. The revealing of Jesus, even the revelation you have of Jesus, of the, of the word of God, will be taken away from you if you don't do anything with it. That's both obvious and profound. What's he saying? If you want to know, you'll know. And if you don't want to, you won't. What is that that the poet said? There is none so blind as him who will not see. Are we blind today? Or to say it another way, I guess, is people do what they want to do. That reminds me of the parable of the talents. That always seemed a little odd to me at the end. That the wicked servant who buries it in the ground, what, is, what, is the, what does the master say? Take that one talent and give it to him who has ten, who has the most. Yeah. Why? Because he has proven ability and intent to heed what he hears. Right? I can trust him with more. Can God trust you with more? More revelation? More blessing? Are you trustworthy? The, 
what kind of ground do you have with the seed of truth? God will give you all you can handle. Heeding is hearing. This is quite true. So, at this point, I had a thought as I came across this verse in my study this week, and I really want to talk to the men for a second, the guys in this room. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 through 14, listen to what it says. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Um, and I really, from this, I see five mandates from God's Word here. One is wake up. Wake up. It says be watchful. Then stand up, man up, grow up and love up. All right? Wake up, stand up, man up, and grow up and love up. I found an article called The Modern Man and His Fantasy World, and I thought this really nailed it. And you'll see where I'm going with it, with this idea of, of taking what you hear and doing something with it. The more you, the more you obey, the more God gives you to understand. Here's what this article says. I have noticed a trait, particularly, particularly among men, where faith is impeded. And I, I, I see this as well. Um, I really believe that, you, that men are the key. If, if we, ladies got it figured out. Matter of fact, if I was Jesus, I would have fired every single disciple and I would have started over with the ladies. The women that followed him got it. The men were just clueless. But let me, let me continue with this. Here's how the faith is impeded. I'll go back to this article. He said, I'm talking about the cultural fixation upon fantasy. Men are giving themselves to something they can see but is not real. Think about that. That's what fantasy is. Giving yourself over to something you can see but is not real. However, with Christianity, we give ourselves to something that we cannot see but actually is real. Here are the three fantasy worlds that men are giving themselves to today that comes from the article. Pornography, fantasy sports, and video games. None of those things are real. And the article goes on to say this. We find that men are reluctant and stagnant in their Christianity because they are thriving in a fantasy world. Is it any wonder why there is such a decline in biblical masculinity in the church? It's a shame that many men are far too busy conquering fake lands, looking at fake women, and winning fake championships to follow Christ's path of self-denying cross-bearing service. And he goes on to say, if you live in a fantasy land, you will not grow in your faith. You remember that an acronym years ago, GIGO, garbage in, garbage out? It's a computer term um, and from computer science and math. So the quality of the output is determined by the quality of the input. You put garbage in, garbage will come out. And if men and women focus on fantasy, we will not glow or grow for Christ in our ability to know Him and will be short-circuited. And I say, ladies, you are not exempt from the fantasy world. Fantasy world for a lot of us, men and women, is called Facebook. While it's not fantasy, it is fantasy. We are more connected to people that we have no interaction with than the ones that we actually live with. We are stealing our energy and our focus from the people that we live with that God has called us to do life with and we're wasting it with people we'll probably never meet again. We've got to get our heads out of the fantasy world into the real world. 
I want to change that guy go. How about, how about God in, God out? Right? Garbage in, garbage out. That's true. But if you, if, if you receive the word with good soil, when God comes in, guess what comes out of you? God. John Acuff perceptively said this. I thought this was great. If you do the work, things happen. If you don't, they won't. I wish it were more complicated than that because then I'd have a better excuse to not do anything. <laughs> right? If you heed what you hear, stuff happens. It's pretty much that simple. Um, some time ago, I heard a pastor say this, and this is kind of where I was driving with this whole thing, that most American Christians are educated way beyond their level of obedience. You know more than you're doing. Man, we got to reverse that, church. We got to reverse it. What's the Spirit saying to you today that you need to be heeding, that you need to be obeying? We must obey what we know, and then God will give us more. You can jot that reference down. See John 7, 17. What measure are you using? Are you sure it's big enough? Um, and let God add to it. If you want to know Him, you will. Because Galatians 6, 7 through 8 promises this. Do not be deceived. That's a present imperative with a negative. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, what? That will he also reap. The one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from that, the Spirit reap eternal life. So, if you don't like what's coming out of your life, just ask yourself, what's going in? What am I sowing? Fellas, you don't like what's coming out of your wife? What are you putting in? A lot of that might be on you. Ladies, you don't like what's coming out of your husband? What are you putting into the man? All right? What's going in? What's coming out? So the application is pretty simple. Heating is hearing. And I have a question for you with this idea. Jesus says, hey, <laughs> I'm the light. And I did not come to be snuffed out and put under a bushel, under a bed and hidden. Matter of fact, it's impossible. John would say later, he can't overcome. Darkness never wins against light. Y'all know that's true? There is no dark so dark that one little match doesn't dispel it. Jesus says, hey, I'm the light. And by extension, so are you. My light in you lights up your world. So the question is, how did King Jesus shine through you this week? I mean that. I mean you to answer that. You should write that question down. And I want you, if you've got a partner or a spouse or a friend that's close to you, I want you to talk to him. Shoot me straight. Did you see Jesus in me this week? And if so, where? Are you brave enough? Have someone else answer that question? Mm. The purpose principle of light is to reveal the proportion principle. The more you heed, the more will be sown, the more you'll hear. And the more you hear, and the more you heed, the more God pours into you. Are you like what that pastor said? Are you educated beyond your level of obedience? How about we start obeying? 
Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Let's do it. Let's let that light shine through us. And know, and we're going to get into this next week, and that's why I wanted to save it. It's too good to rush through. This kingdom, <laughs> it's expanding with or without you. Right? And we don't even, we don't, we can't even figure it out. It makes no sense. I mean, if Jesus is going to tell us that. Farmer throws a seed in the ground, he goes to bed. He got no idea what's happening to that seed in the ground. He gets up and gets the weeds out. He goes back to bed. And what happens? By some mysterious, miraculous event, it grows by itself. You don't have to know the how. You just have to be convinced of the what. Right? There's a lot of stuff in the kingdom make no sense to me. Kingdom living is upside down living from this world. You want to get out of debt? Give. You give your way out of debt. That makes no sense. You'll never go to a financial seminar until you give your way out of debt. Stupid. Try it. Kingdom works. <laughs> it's upside down kingdom. What do you do with your enemies? You love them? No, you destroy your enemies. In the world's kingdom, the upside down kingdom says you love them. And by doing so, you, you heap coals of conviction on their head. And you turn your enemies into family. Imagine that. Upside down. But it works. But it only works when you work it. So what Jesus has worked in you, what the Spirit has worked into you today, right now, from these few words, with His help, this week, it needs to be worked out of you. What He works in, He does so, so that it can be worked out. How is Jesus shining through you this week? Or this last week? And I want you to do one more thing. I want you to ponder this every day. And at the end of the week, I want you to ask that same person, how'd you see Jesus in me this week? Because what God has worked in you, with your obedience and cooperation, He's going to work out of you. And here's what's going to happen. When that gets worked out of you in obedience, He's going to open you your understanding to more and more things. Last thing I'm going to say. If you're having trouble understanding this book and understanding truth, start with what you know. There's a few things you know. Start obeying that. And you watch it. You watch it. That little bit that God's worked in you, when you start heeding it and obeying it and doing it, you watch. You watch. The other things are going to start to make sense to you. And the people who constantly live on the surface with dipping their big toe in the kingdom, one day... Even the little bit of understanding they have is going to be removed. Don't let that be you. I want you to pray with me. And as you pray and prepare your heart to receive communion this morning, I want you to let the Lord search your heart. And whatever he convicts you of, speak that out to him and receive that gift of repentance and joy and, and, and take joy in the fact of what God has done for us through these elements today. Father, we come to you asking you to examine our hearts, thanking you for your love and kindness to us that we don't deserve. 
thanking you for this strange parable right on the heels of the soil parable about you being a light. And uh, you don't light something to hide it. You know, light something to reveal what is hidden. And Lord, sometimes I think we're hiding the wrong thing. Um, so, revealing light of the Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts right now. Grant repentance and grant faith. that we might reject our sin and embrace our Savior. We are your light. Give us a deep commitment and desire to heed what we've heard, to work out what you, Holy Spirit, have worked in. Do this for the glory of King Jesus and the majesty of the Father who loved us enough to send His Son to literally take our place in the agony of the cross. May we not soon forget, and may we bless you as we pray together. The prayer Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.